anticipatory grief can be both a blessing and a curse. She had cancer and we went through that battle for a year and then I lost her. I remember at one point the doctor said, I can't save your life, but I can prolong it. And my dad and my mom were so happy. And I was like, why are you so happy? This is horrible. But I'm glad that I had the year with her. Anticipatory grief is when someone that you love has been told that they're dying or you feel as though they're dying, that it's coming to the end. This can be a very confusing time, especially when it's not in the normal course of life. When I say normal course of life, we all die. But when I'm talking about that, you know, when your grandmother or your grandfather is at uh, the end of their life, that is anticipatory grief. But it could also be your child, your young mother, It could be someone who it just doesn't feel right. And that anticipatory grief can be very confusing time. But it can also be an opportunity to do what I often refer back to as living in both that joy and pain. And I'm not saying it's easy. I'm a psychiatric nurse practitioner, and unfortunately, I've experienced all types of grief anticipatory grief, as well as, you know, a shocking loss. And it is not easy. What I'm about to talk about is not easy. However, it's an, it's a process in which we should challenge ourselves to go through. I'm going to give you three tips about how to actually live in this anticipatory grief and hold on to both that joy and pain. But again, it's not easy. I am currently going through it. My husband of 26 years has been put on hospice. And hospice is a process that we use in in this country to um, say that someone is dying maybe in the next six months. Sometimes that can be a year or more, but that it's coming, that the the body is breaking down and we should prepare for ultimately death. And I can tell you hospice has always been a bad word in my life. <sighs> Several years ago, my son A doctor told me that my son should be put on hospice. That he was breaking down and that he was going to die. And as a mother, he was about 13, 15 years old during that, that time frame. And I was like, absolutely not. And I fought and fought and I would not accept that death could happen to my son. My family has a very rare neurodegenerative condition called DRPLA. And my son was the first diagnosed. He was nine years old with catastrophic epilepsy and cognitive impairment that just kept getting worse. And no one knew what was going on. 
until finally a geneticist did testing. And I remember the day I heard those words, DRPLA, dentropepilonian atrophy, autosomal dominant. You or your husband have it. 50% chance that your daughter has it. That is anticipatory grief. It is a progressive neurological terminal condition. And for many years, I would add in potentially terminal condition because I would not accept that my son was going to die. And so anticipatory grief is different for everyone. I am not in any way saying that you need to get to acceptance because there are stories of people who are told they are going to pass and they don't. But this is my story. October 30th, 2016, my son whom I believed would not die, began having respiratory problems and passed away. And that anticipatory grief prior to his passing was a type of fight or flight. I was fighting for my son, even though I knew he could potentially die. I was fighting for him. The story with my husband is different. I, I've been beaten up by God, the universe, that there is no way to beat DRPLA. And I'm trying to live out what I'm talking about in this video of the tips of how do you, if it's right for you, how do you live in that joy and pain in the midst of anticipatory grief? In the descriptions, there's a link to a choice opportunity called Acknowledging Grief. It's just one of those first steps of getting that out on paper. I do a lot of worksheets. It is so cathartic to get things out on paper whether you rip it up, throw it away, keep it forever, that's not the point. The point is it's a process, it's a way to get that grief out on paper. There's all types of grief and I've, I've experienced all of them. <laughs> I remember when I was being told that my adopted son Johnny disappeared in the river perfectly healthy boy, 13 years old, thought he could swim, drown in the river. It's sudden. The grief hits hard. Even with my, my daughter, Maya, she has DRPLA. The same thing that puts my husband on hospice that allowed my son to pass in 2016. But she was healthy. 
Maya had never spent the night in the hospital for like an urgency, like a, a sickness. Her death still makes me angry of things that I wasn't able to do with her, that I had planned to do with her. So there was this underlying anticipatory grief with Maya because she had DRPLA. But I had, I believed that I had many, many years to live out that love and show her that love. And she died in her sleep. No warning, no sickness. And I'm still angry about what I wasn't, was not able to do. With, with my son Reggie, even though I fought and fought and fought, the anticipatory grief was there and I knew I could lose him and I gave him literally the best life. This kid has done everything. And Maya lived in the shadows of that, of Reggie's illness and making sure that we did everything with joy with Reggie. And so I tell you the differences in these anticipatory griefs. Because I want you to possibly be able to do these three things that I'm going to share with you. And again, they're not easy. One of the, the top theories in grief is the Kubler-Ross theory. And it's actually not a theory of grief. It is a theory of death. And if you have found out that your loved one is dying, there's times of denial, there's times of anger, bargaining, depression, but ultimately acceptance. And if you've been following me long enough, I actually kind of tear this theory apart because it does nothing for me after I've lost. But now that I sit here as a wife of a man on hospice, I realize this is that hospice process. And if we can get to acceptance then we can do the next step of quality attention to that relationship. So the first thing is kind of knowing the, the stages of death and if even part of you can accept that, what can you do to give that relationship quality attention? We often talk about quality time and that might be what you need. And that might be what your loved one needs. But when I say quality attention, I'm talking about finding joy, finding moments that you will remember forever. I remember taking my kids on cruises, swimming with the dolphins. Like there were very specific things that I did with my children that I probably would not have done if they were healthy children. 
And I cherish those moments, that quality attention to who they are and what they bring to this world. And then number three is own your story. Maybe acceptance isn't in your story and that's okay. I did not accept Reggie's death prior to his death. And every situation is different. So my third tip to you is owning that story. And I'm trying to do these three things with my husband. And it looks very different because it's not a fight or flight. I have accepted that I can't beat Dirtpla. I have accepted that this man has made a significant impact in many people's lives. And we often say everybody loves Bundy. I've also given that quality attention that might look different. And sometimes I struggle with like guilt of, you know, I should be by his side all day, every day. You know, he may only have six months to a year left to live. But honestly, that's not what he wants. He doesn't want to be taken care of. And he wants me to be happy and successful. And so part of our quality attention is giving respect to the life that we've had, both the good times and the bad times. And that number three of owning our story, it's very different. And so knowing where you are in that Kubler-Ross grief process, number one, number two, quality attention to the relationship, whatever that means for you and that person, not guilting into what you think you're supposed to be doing. And number three is owning your story, whatever that is. Grief is complicated and anger is real. I want you to continue learning from my content. Uh, I think a video that would go with what we're talking about now is this anger and grief and like learning how to really process some of that anger. Anger is a secondary emotion. Uh, watch this video.